You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Box. I am your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Wednesday for an episode that is brought to you by Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audio books and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audio book and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA to cash in on that deal. Now, Frank isn't here today and he's very upset about this because when I, when I took over about a month ago, this was the, the task that Frank sent me. He asked whether I could get Lee Ellis on the show. Lee is here with me today. Oh, what a scoop for you there, Kane. What, you, you sent me a DM on, on Twitter or a text message or something and we got it uh, set up. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty long process, wasn't it, to get me here? Yeah, I, I did. I, I did say to to Frank that this probably wasn't as, as big a challenge as, as what <laughs> what he thought. But he is from No Dunks on the Athletic. Lee Allison, a first for Locked On Bucks, an All Australian episode here. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, Kane. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, great to chat to you again. Yeah, I want to start. It's funny you say uh, chat to me again. I, I saw you in Melbourne for the Team USA tour uh, back in in August when they were playing the Australian national team. And I was pretty surprised by this. I think I asked you about it because I saw someone or I saw you mention this on Twitter that you hadn't been back to Australia for a long time. I, I can't remember how long exactly, but how, how long was it since you, since you were back home? Yeah, it was eight years. It was eight years uh, pretty much almost to the day that I was back uh, in Australia because in 2011, my wife and I went to Australia for her first time and we, she was pregnant at the time. So we had a child then and and we were planning on going about four years later, around 2015 or so, and uh, she got pregnant again. And so <laughs> that, uh, that set us back another three or four years. So, um, yeah, so it just, it, you know, sort of one year turned into two or three and then four. And then, uh, and then we sort of had to wait until our second son was a little bit older and old enough to travel. He was um, nearly three when we were out there this summer. And um, it was uh, a fun experience on the plane that uh, crossing <laughs> the Pacific, as you know, is, it's tough. It's tough on anyone. It's tough if you're flying by yourself, but when you've got a couple of kids in tow as well, it's uh, it's a whole new ball game. But yeah, it was uh, it was eight years, so it was great to be back. And it's funny because in so many ways, it was like going to a completely different place, yeah. a new place that I'd never been to before. But in so many other ways, it was almost like going back in a time machine because so many things were familiar and so many things that I knew that I grew up with and, and that I'd you know experienced a lot as a kid were all still there. You know, a lot of old faces, a lot of family, friends, and things like that. And so. It was a very weird uh, experience in a lot of ways because I was just like, wow, it's like nothing's changed. But then also just seeing how many crazily different things that had changed. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was great, great to be back. And, and Melbourne is where I was born and raised. And so you've always got a little, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's sentimentally, it has a special place for me. So 
it was great to be home and uh, had a great time and seeing Australia get a win over the US just topped <laughs> it all off. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that and you, you sort of touched on it because last season, uh, as you know, when I was in Milwaukee, I was, that was, I was over in America for about eight months, I think seven, eight months. And prior to that, I hadn't left Australia for longer than five weeks, I think, was, was probably the, the longest time I had away. And so to, to be uh, away from Australia as long as you did, I was wondering, obviously family and friends, as you mentioned, but I don't, was there anything that, cause I, someone asked me this and I was like, I'm not really sure. I don't know how to answer that. Was there anything in particular that you were like, oh yeah, I, I really miss this back home? Well, it, it, it's, hard, it's hard to answer because my yeah. life has just changed so much because when I left, I was a single 20 year old kid <laughs> when I ver- first left Australia. And I came back as a father and a husband and, and, you know, as a 40 year old plus guy. So, you know, your, your life is just so much different then. And uh, because a lot of people ask me like, don't you miss Australia? Do you, you know? And, yeah. and I'm like, well, there are things I miss about it, but now my life has just moved on that it's all about my own boys and my own kids. So you just don't have the time to sit, sit around wishing you were back home or wishing you were going to the MCG every Friday night. I, I, the thing is I would love it to, to be able to be like a two hour flight away. So you could yeah. go there regularly. But the fact is from Atlanta to Australia, it's five hours or so to Los Angeles and then it's 15 or so. And then it's a good three or four days minimum to adapt, uh, adjust to the time zone and the climate and all that. So the, the whole opportunity to go to australia it's not like it's there all the time anyway so you just kind of move on from it um but it's you know again i when you get back there you just see things that that you that remind you so much of what it was like growing up as a kid and as a teenager being there and 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 it's uh it's a fun it's a fun endeavor but then after it because i was back for five weeks so after the first maybe you know two or three weeks it was almost like, man, I can't believe it's been eight years. It feels like I was here not that long ago. <laughs> so um, I, I still love Australia, of course. I, I love Melbourne. I would love to maybe live there again one day, uh, but it's not on the radar right now simply because, uh, as I've been saying, my, my life is here now and my life is uh, my priorities about my, my children and my uh, having them settled and happy. Um, but it would, I, I, just, I just would love to be able to fly there a little easier than I can do from here. And that, um, so that makes it, I think just difficult because you just know you can't, it's not like you can even really go back for Christmas for 10 days. I mean, you could, but it wouldn't be a whole lot of fun because you'd just be so exhausted. So, but being back in Melbourne, I grew up as an Aussie rules football fan. I'm sure you were the same. It was great to be, uh, amongst the AFL again. And I went to the MCG on a Friday night as Collingwood Richmond and I got to meet Bruce McAvaney and Brian Taylor yeah. and a few of the guys. And, uh, and it was a perfect Friday night. It was a bit drizzly, a bit cold, but it was a big clash, Collingwood and Richmond. And I was like, yeah, oh, man, I, I've missed this. I've been being there. You feel it a lot more because you're actually experiencing it. You don't have, you know, when you think about something, it's different to actually being there and feeling it again. And uh, it's funny because I'm a Collingwood fan, but uh, I, was, <laughs> I was sitting in the MCG and, Man, Collingwood fans are tough to sit next to sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, every time a, a Collingwood player lost the ball or there was a, you know, a 50-50 ball, it was, uh, there was a few choice words coming from the fans there. So it was funny to be back close to AFL again, um, but, uh, but a lot of fun. I mean, I miss the game because it's such a great game. I don't get a chance to really watch it these days, uh, except for the grand final. 
but so to be there and to to be at the MCG on a Friday night having a meat pie, it was uh, it was a fun experience. Yeah, it's, it's that is the. I mean, you mentioned the travel. That's the biggest thing for me. Even last year, I know um, I moved to Milwaukee at, at the start of October, and then uh, like my mum was like, "Oh, so you're coming home for Christmas?" And I'm like, "Well, no." <laughs> that I mean, it, first of all, money that, that costs a lot to get back, and then how long am I there for? As you mentioned, and then this year, when I'm looking at getting back, like my brother's getting uh married next year so he's got an engagement party on uh, you know early december so it's like well i don't want to go to milwaukee and then feel like i'm coming back for that i'm the best man for my brother's wedding so i'm not going to miss the engagement party and it's just a long way away but uh i know when you were in australia we did speak and at the time it was still pretty uncertain and we were just chatting a little bit about this before we started recording but you weren't really sure what was going to happen with 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 you and the and and the fellows with you know formerly the starters now no dunks that, that we found out with the athletic but how was that period for you as you speak about you have a family and and not really yeah. knowing what's coming up yeah it was um we we were talking with the athletic for um a lot of the summer um uh, but it was it was a long negotiation because there was five of us uh joining the team so you know, the athletic and we were trying to figure out exactly what we we're going to do. Was it going to be a podcast? Was it going to be something else? Where are we going to live? Where are we going to do it? Uh, a lot of, a lot of that stuff went into it. So it was a, it was a sort of long uh, process and we, we seem to agree on the basic parameters fairly early on, but there was, there's always just so much more to it than just a simple like, Hey, do you want to do your podcast? Yep. Okay, great. Here it goes. You have to figure out all sorts of things, you know, a contract and, you know, salary and, and, and all those sorts of things. And so, uh, it took a lot of the summer and, and yeah, when we were there, we were fairly close on all the points, I think by then, but there was still just a couple of things we had to, we had to agree on. Um, so I felt, I felt reasonably confident we were going to get a deal done, but until you sign that paperwork, it really doesn't mean anything because deals fall apart sometimes, even at the last minute. And so, um, with my wife, you know, she's very, very supportive. She's been incredibly supportive of my entire career. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, again, as when you're, when you've got a family and a mortgage and things like that, you want to show that you'll be able to uh, keep contributing to the family uh, income. And uh, I was trying to keep her up to date without getting, you know, too far away or too carried away, I guess, with uh, where the deal was. And so when we finally signed it, I think it was, um, I think it was late September, I believe, when we started early October. Um, it was a relief when we finally got it done because we all wanted to keep the show together we wanted to keep doing the podcast but we just had to make sure everything all the sort of stars aligned and it all dropped into place and eventually it did but it's a, it's a stressful time because you just don't quite know and as i say until you get to that point where it's like okay the contract's coming sign it and then we then you start work all sorts of things could happen and uh and being home in australia i was like you know maybe maybe i do want to go back to australia for a while but again that's not a decision you can make as easily when you've, when you've got a family as you are by yourself. I mean, you know, in your situation, for example, I know your visa was slightly different and things like that, but it's a little easier to just pack up and say, all right, I'm going home and then I'm coming back yeah. and all that because you don't really have to uh, <laughs> tell anyone what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, it was the first time in, uh, in, in a long time, a good, good six years, I guess. We were at NBA TV for six years where I was a little unsure of, of uh, you know, where my next paycheck was coming from. Uh, but eventually we got there and um, I have to say we, we, we were all very excited and very happy that it worked out for the athletic because 
uh, th that it's a platform that's really, really grown uh, very, very strong in the last couple of years. And so to be able to take our show there and to do it as we're doing it in a daily podcast form, and then we're also adding a few extra shows, it's great because, you know, we had six years, as I say, there with NBA TV. That was a lot of fun. Um, we miss having the cool factor of having a TV show. There's no doubt it's cool, but this industry is constantly evolving and changing and you've got to be ready because nothing lasts forever. And uh, most sports networks have gone through some sort of round of layoffs and, um, and things like that over the last couple of years. I mean, ESPN, we know, for example, is, is you know, some of the, their biggest names have been let go in, in recent times because uh, the industry is just always changing. So, we're excited now that we get a chance to uh, try some new things at The Athletic. Uh, we, we're doing the daily stuff, as I mentioned, and it's always good. Sometimes that change that's forced upon you is really good because it, it, it tests you out a little bit to see what else you can do. And you never want to get too comfortable in any role because you tend to not produce your best work in that situation if, you, if you're sort of a little bit uh, like just cruising along. So when you have to think about things again and restart them and, and, uh, and, and try to come up with some fresh ideas, it's, it, it, it's a good, it's a healthy growing experience. So, you know, we're very all very happy there at, uh, at The Athletic now. I was reading a, a story and, and from a friend of ours, on you, a friend of ours, Ben Malice, uh, who's also an Australian and, and some of the stuff you just touched on, I mean, working in media, and this is something that I'm just still you know, getting into and finding out about, but it is, it's uncertain. <laughs> and oh, you know, yeah. you, I mean, you never really know what's going to happen, right? In terms of work, you don't know what opportunities are going to come and then what opportunities are going to leave. But you mentioned in this story, and I think this was about a year ago, a year and a half, maybe, maybe two years ago when, when you spoke to Ben. And, and one of the things you spoke about was people asking you, for advice on, on how to, to sort of get in the industry or whatever. And it was funny to me because this is something that I just, you know, mostly recently I've had as people start to ask me like, Oh, how did you do this? And I'm like, well, I wouldn't say my story is conventional and yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I can recommend this or say, this is the way to do it because certainly to this point, it's like, uh, it's not a moneymaker for me at, at this point, but for you, I mean, you had a, a similarly uh, sort of, uh, interesting story and in how you got started and, and, and it started with Toronto, I, I think I read. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I was, um, I was 31, I think, and I'd just gotten married and I'd been working in banks and doing kind of dead end jobs, um, for most of my life. And I, I sort of got to a point where I was like, I've always wanted to do sports media journalism, something, but I never really knew how to get started. And fortunately at the time, a, a media, a sports media journalism school just opened in Toronto and I thought great this is perfect this is just what I need so I went along for a little introduction and a meeting and uh and and the people there said okay yeah we would like to offer you a place and and then they hit me with the bomb of it's 17 grand a year and it's a two-year <laughs> course and I'm like I mean uh, like I had again I'd just gotten married I hadn't really had <laughs> any savings and I was like, oh, my God, I just can't afford this. What am I going to do? And now, fortunately, incredibly, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, uh, she, she sort of came through and said, listen, we can, I, I'm happy to lend you some money to get started if this is what you want to do. And, uh, and I was like, okay, great. But also thinking like, oh, my God, how am I going to pay this back? You know, <laughs> if I don't get a job, you know, I'm going to be just married and then in debt to my sister-in-law. And, uh, and I was like, I don't know. But, but 
at that time, again, when you, when you, once you sort of hit 30 or 31, you've got to, you realize you have to sort of go all in sometimes on these things and take a chance. And I did. And fortunately, I started working at the score, which was a sports television network. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore in Toronto. Um, and I only had to go to the school for one year before I started getting a job. And, and so I didn't, you know, I was able to pay off the, the loan and, and to get some money coming in, which was great. Um, but again, it wasn't something that I really planned. It was more yeah. like just taking chances and trying to be in a situation where things might happen for me. Um, and so once I got to the score, I was able to do a few things in their web media department. Uh, basically, again, it was like taking a camera out on the road, shooting things, interviewing people by myself whilst holding the camera, going back to the studio and editing them, putting them together with no real experience other than just trying to sort of figure things out on the fly and also teaching myself things like Final Cut Pro, um, you know, and, and all those sorts of things. And then that led to the opportunity with the Basketball Jones, who, who were originally the starters when they joined uh, the score. That led to that opportunity. And, uh, and then from, from the Basketball Jones, we became the starters. So it's, 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 a, it's a lot more, there's a lot more details to it. But the yeah. point mainly is, I, you know, I just sort of tried to take chances, tried to knock on doors, tried to ask questions, tried to sort of just say to people, hey, can I do this? Can I do that? And it's amazing how many times, like I've had way more knockbacks and no's than I've had yeses, but I always feel like it's almost like you're building a house and all those no's are little bricks in the house. And eventually you get a yes, which is like a door or a window, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's a, yeah, bit of yeah. a bit of a weird analogy. But the point is that um, you've got to play the percentages in the sense that ask for 100 things and hopefully you get five or 10 of them because uh, that's just the way it goes. But the more that you, uh, you take a positive attitude and you, and you sort of take that, um, you know, you be available and you be ready. And if someone says, hey, can you do this? Yep, I'll do it. And, and that's, that's one of the, the, the important things is, because a lot of people say, I want to be on air. I want to be, you know, on, on the, I want my face to be on TV or, or uh, on a podcast or whatever. But everyone wants to do that. And so I didn't get my opportunity to be on TV until I learned how to be behind the camera and learned how to shoot and learned how to produce and how to edit. And then when an opportunity came for me to be on air, I was able to, I was able to grab it. So, um, you know, you have to understand that you've got to pay your dues in, in an industry like this. You've got to be ready. Um, and when you get that opportunity, just just try to your best, you know, try be yourself and, and try to make the most of it. And uh, some people like you, some people won't. But the main point is you've just got to put yourself in a position where these opportunities might happen. Because, um, you know, I, I think I said to Ben in that in that article when I spoke to him, I didn't I didn't sort of get to my 30s and, you know, start put this great big blueprint down <laughs> that I'd be working for NBA TV and, 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 and shooting with Steph Curry and Isaiah Thomas. I mean, all those things came about simply because I was kind of just kept asking questions and putting myself in a position where they might happen. But, um, uh, and I think, I just think that's the most important thing is because I still get those emails from people as well. Like, Hey, I want to, I want to start my podcast. What do I do? And I'm like, well, start a podcast. What do you yeah. think? Go online, Google how to start a podcast and start a podcast. That's how you do it. But if you say to people, listen, you might have to do 500 episodes before anyone pays you. People, no one wants to hear that. They want to hear two episodes and then you've got a, a multi-year contract with someone to, uh, to keep doing it whenever you want. And it just doesn't work like that. I mean, the guys at the Basketball Jones, Skeets and Tass and JD, I think they did, 
you know, I don't know exactly, but I think it was like 450 episodes without being paid, putting their own money forward, still having day jobs and, and putting this podcast out there that eventually got picked up. And, uh, and they've said several times that they, they nearly gave up because it was just, it was like, what's the point? No one's listening and we're not getting paid and this is just exhausting, but they persisted and, uh, and it worked out for them in the end. But, um, you know, there's, there's very, very few people who, who just sort of do things once or twice and all of a sudden get picked up and then, and then you're, uh, you're on easy street. You've got to put in those hard yards, but you've got to try you just got to keep working away. And, uh, and, and, and if you do that, I mean, I, I, you know, Benjamin and uh, Tom Reed, yeah. for example, other two uh, Aussie podcasters, they did their podcast for a long time. Um, and now, and now Benjamin's working there at NBA Australia and Tom's actually in New York, I believe right now. Uh, they're not doing the podcast anymore, but those guys, I had so much respect for what they did because they put in hours and hours and hours. And I don't remember exactly how many shows they did together but they had the commitment and the passion and the dedication uh, to keep doing it. And, and that's, that's really the key here. If you do that, it might lead to something for, uh, for your career. It might not, but it, that's sort of effort and the energy that you need to at least give yourself a chance for something to happen. Yeah, and I think passion is the key word, right? And, and certainly for me, that's that's where it started, and that's why I decided to sort of drop everything and chase this. And it was a similar story for you, but for today, it is 14 years to the day, and I'm not sure whether you're going to remember this game. And and you know, mid 2000s Milwaukee Bucks weren't exactly must watch, but it's 14 years to the day since Mo Williams hit a buzzer beating three against the Indiana Pacers. They were down 14 in the fourth quarter, down 20 earlier in the game. And for me, this was one of the most memorable Bucks games I remember when I first started watching the Bucks, first started following the NBA, sort of in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. And I, when I say watching, I wasn't watching this game because I couldn't afford League Pass. I was listening to audio League Pass. Ted Davis was on the call. And that's a memory that stuck with me. It was one of my early memories, you know, when really sort of, falling in love with the NBA and, and the game of basketball. But for you, I would say League Pass wasn't a, a thing. Where did your passion come from? And is there any particular memories that you remember and go, oh, I'm, I'll, I'll never forget that game and what I was doing, where I was? Well, that to me, it goes back to the 1987 All-Star game because that was the first game I ever saw. And that was the game where Orlando Blackman uh, hits the two free throws with time expired to send the game to overtime and the West goes on to win it. And I was only like 11 or 12 at the time when I got it. And, and I was just like, I mean, I thought it was kind of fixed almost because it was like, that's what, that's almost like a movie ending. You know, the guy uh, goes to the free throw line, he's got to hit both enormous pressure and he does. And then the team goes on to win. It was like a fairy tale finish, but this is back in the eighties where there was no internet and we had no cable TV. So it was so much harder to, to uh, follow the league. But obviously in the nineties, we started getting a little bit more coverage and the, and the Jordan Bulls. Uh, were were such a such a huge story, and then having Luke Longley and Australian on there as well was great. Um, so I I was a huge NBA fan from a, as a kid, but I just didn't have the access to be able to follow it as closely as I would have liked to. So it was two thousand and one when I first moved to Toronto, because Australia and Canada have a great reciprocal working visa agreement, so you could get a one year working visa and do whatever you want. Um, and I was like, well, I'm going to Toronto because they've got an NBA team. The, the Grizzlies actually were still in existence, the Vancouver yeah. Grizzlies at the time, but I had a friend in Toronto. So I was like, well, I'll go to Toronto. 
And so for me, it was great because I was finally living in a city that had an NBA team and they had Vince Carter. It was like, it was perfect. It was like, oh, this is awesome. And the very, very first game I ever went to in person was, uh, was the Raptors and the Pistons. And, and so Vince, I'd known about Vince, you know, he had the big dunk contest in Oakland the year before. Uh, so there was a lot of, he was the new, uh, you know, the, the, the next Jordan type of guy. And I was like, well, I'll, I'm skeptical, but I want to see him in person. And he actually had a pretty bad game against the Pistons, but the game went to overtime and then Vince hit the game winner in overtime with like, I don't know, five seconds to go. Yeah. And so that was pretty impressive when I was like in person, the star player overcomes a pretty bad shooting night to, to go on and, and, and hit the game winner. Like that was, that was pretty cool. And that was funny because I'd also been prior to moving to Toronto, I'd been living in uh, London. And so I'd kind of, and the NBA had been on strike and Jordan had retired. And so I'd sort of lost a little bit of interest in the league. But then I came back, go to Toronto, Vince, hear about Vince the star. And, uh, and then he goes and hits a game winner. And then the, that season, that playoffs was the crazy playoffs where the Raptors finally got a, a, a series victory when they beat the Knicks. And then they had that seven game series against the 76ers where Iverson had two 50 point games. <laughs> And Vince had a 50-point game. So I was fully back into the league. Like, it just, it, it was like, oh, my God, I'm definitely back into it all now. Um, so that was great. So it was, and, 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 and seeing the Raptors go on to win the championship last season was truly something that I never would thought would have happened because the Raptors have always had that stigma of being in Toronto and being Canadian and, and no American players want to go and play there. So for them to actually finally reach the pinnacle and, and win the championship was uh, was incredible because I, I mentioned earlier that the the Vancouver Grizzlies were uh, were in existence when I was first in Toronto but then they they moved to Vancouver uh, to uh, Memphis and honestly if it wasn't for Vince in Toronto I'm, I wonder if the, the Raptors would have also folded or moved or whatever you want to call it to a, a to another US city because it just it just didn't feel like the support was there but they, when they got Vince, who was finally, like he led the uh, NBA All-Star Game in voting uh, at least two or three years there. So he gave them that, that sort of credibility. Um, and then when he left under those bad circumstances, I thought, man, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors just fold here. But, but they didn't. They hung in there. And now, um, you know, it, it's, it's a great franchise. It's a really, really solid franchise. And I'm very, very happy that they've been able to uh, sustain and to, and to go on and have success. So. You know, my, uh, my, uh, my childhood hopes of getting to an NBA game uh, when, you know, I mean, I, I remember when I was like, I don't know, probably 13 or 14 and saying to dad, like, because my dad used to work at Qantas and I was like, can we go to Los Angeles? I want to go to a Lakers <laughs> game. But it was just, you know, it's just not practical. You know, like dad wasn't just going to fly all the way over there for, uh, for, you know, for a week just so I could go and watch a, a Lakers game. Uh, so it took me a few years, but, but once I got there and once I got to Toronto and I saw Vince and I, and, and I was a, you know, became a fan of the Raptors, it was, uh, everything that my, my childhood dreams hoped it would be. It was just, it was just perfect. And it was, um, great to experience. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, Lee, you gotta, you gotta be careful with this, all this Raptors talk on, uh, on the the Bucks podcast. Uh, I hope that we haven't just like lost everyone at this, (laughs) at that point, but But you're right, though. It is a star-driven league, and you talk about 2001. That was when I first uh, started watching NBA, or when I first caught my first uh, game on TV. And it was Ray Allen that 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 got me uh, involved in a, in a playoff game where he had 40 points against the the Charlotte Hornets. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a similar story, I think, for for a lot of Australian 
fans from way back, not so much now, where you can yeah. you can get games wherever you want. But when you talk about star power for the Bucks, I want to I want to talk about the Bucks a little bit now and Giannis because I, I was listening to No Dunks the other day and I can't remember what episode it might have been last Friday and you guys were sort of talking about Giannis uh, post uh, the Clippers game where he he just goes off and hits the four threes and the the talk and there's still it it kind of amazes me that that there's still a lot of talk about like well does Giannis need to be better for this Milwaukee Bucks team can he get better. And then you look at his numbers, and this is in just 33 minutes. He's averaging 29.7 points, 14.3 rebounds, 6.8 assists. He's getting a block and a half, a steal and a half, 66% on two uh, on twos, and now he's over 30% on threes. <laughs> I mean, realistically, yeah. how much better can he get? Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, no, no one really knows, but I think the point I was making on the show at the time was, you know, everyone, he's only, what, 24, so yeah. you figure that, most players don't really hit their peak until they're sort of, you know, 28, 29 maybe. And so Giannis, uh, for a guy who only started playing basketball, what, 10 years ago or something like that, I think it was, before he decided uh, yeah. to start playing it, he's had a pretty good run. But the thing with, with Giannis and the Bucks, they're probably a little ahead of schedule. And, and, and what I mean by that is Giannis, it's no surprise that he became MVP, but he was probably a year or two earlier than, than we thought he might have been able to do it because they took such a tremendous leap last year. And Giannis was just incredible to watch. But he hasn't got a, a, a perfect game because he, he's got that incredible athleticism and length where he can go inside and he posts up like Shaq-like numbers in the paint. But he's also dribbling the ball, which is just incredible. But you also know that that shot isn't so reliable yet that teams, aren't, teams are like, you know what, we know we can't stop you inside. So we're going to have to dare you to beat us with a jump shot. It's starting to come along, but it takes time. Um, so the thing is, you know, with, with Milwaukee and, and Giannis again this year, last year they won, what did they finish? 60 wins, I believe it was. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, now, now that expectation is there. How do you handle that? How do you deal with that? And the way that their season ended last year, I mean, I thought, in fact, I can let you in a little business secret here. I had I booked I had booked my flights from uh, Oakland to Milwaukee for the finals. That's how after game two I, I said to our travel department, I said okay, because I was travelling for games three or what was I travelling for? Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I said okay, book my flights because I know I'm going to Milwaukee for the finals. And they were Me like, too, okay, Lee, no by the way. Me too. I had accommodation in Oakland, so we're on yeah. the <laughs> same page. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was crazy because then you know then and that game three against the Raptors I think it was was that double overtime or overtime yeah, yeah double. Um, double overtime and I was like oh okay they, they've dragged it out a little bit longer here and then you know after game five uh, when they won in Milwaukee and I sent an email and I was like uh, I think you're going to have to cancel my flight here <laughs> you know, so, um, but but that's the thing though now the Bucks because they 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 were so good last year and Giannis was the MVP. And Budenholzer was great. And, and uh, Bledsoe had a great year up until the playoffs as well. And Chris Middleton was an all-star. Um, now it's like, okay, people expect you to be at least that good again. And they expect Giannis, expect Giannis to be exactly at least that good again. Um, so there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more challenge there. And teams every night now are coming at the Bucks. So everyone's like, all right, we have to, this is the team that might win the championship this year. So we're getting their best shot. There's a lot more national attention on them. And so that, that's something Giannis has to deal with because people expect him to be every night that player. Who you, you know, you rattle off those numbers there. They're incredible numbers. 
and it doesn't matter who you are, to have to put those up every night is very, very challenging. And if he has a bit of a rough patch here, let's say he does have a couple of games where he's a bit off, then it's like, oh, Giannis, you know, he's not, he's not, uh, he, he can't handle the pressure of being an MVP and carrying a team. And, and Middleton's gone down and, and, and uh, Giannis, you know, the Bucks are struggling. So that sort of level of pressure and expectation is, uh, is something that he's learning to deal with this year. And, you know, the Bucks have been good so far. I think, I think we're all expecting, like, there was a game, I think maybe their second game of the season where they're at home against the, the Heat. Yeah. And they were up 20 points and it was like, and, and Jimmy Butler wasn't playing. And they somehow lost that game at home in overtime. It was like, whoa. Like, that, that, that's a bad loss, uh, even though, it's again, it's early in the season um, and anyone can beat anyone on any given night. But the Bucs were cruising and they, they weren't able to close that one out. So there's been a, a couple of those ones. And, of course, the win against the Clippers without Kawhi was like, well, you have to win that game. Um, but, uh, but this is, this is the, the fun thing about the Bucs and, 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 and Giannis. It's like, will they go back? Will they go to the conference finals? And if so, can they progress to the NBA finals this year? Because it's very, very open in the East. Great opportunity for them. But there's also Philadelphia feels they're the best team in the East. The Raptors have shown, even though they lost last night to the Clippers, that they're, without Kawhi, they're still a very, very good team. Um, so it's, uh, it's exciting to see. And the Celtics, I mean, I think a lot of people thought the Celtics would have dropped off and they've been so far statistically the best team in the league. Um, so that's, uh, and they, they beat the Bucks too. In another game, I think the Bucks had a big lead there in Boston, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and Boston came back and won. So, you know, that's, um, that's the thing with Milwaukee. They're, they're, they've gone from, maybe being a team that people were expecting to have a little bit more of a slower progression to get to this point. But instead they, they went so far last season that now you can't take a step back. You have to at least get to that same level. Yeah. It's a completely different challenge. That's something we've spoke about a lot in terms of not only like individual motivation for Giannis in terms of like, he spoke about getting better and, and um, you know, having the memories of the playoffs and having a two O lead in the conference finals, but also for the team, starting again and going through that the the grind of the regular season and that's something we we mentioned a little bit when with both of those losses really it's like is this team at the start of the season in October November is the motivation there that as it was last year they don't have the surprise factor that they had last year it's it's I, I mean it's a completely different psychological position they find themselves in I think anyway but well yeah and if, if you go back to um, a good example of that is the 73 and 9 warriors who who obviously set a record that year with most mm-hmm. regular season wins, but couldn't win the championship. You know, incredible, crazy sequence of events that led to that. But I think what you saw after that, <clears throat> excuse me, was that the, the, the Warriors realised you don't need to be playing your best basketball in November or December. You don't need to win every night. You just need to be uh, building towards the playoffs and to get to the finals again. And you saw after that, they go and get, I mean, look, they get Kevin Durant. So obviously that helps a lot as well. But the point being that the Bucks are now, you know, there's no need for Giannis to put every single thing into a, a game in November and December right now. You know, yeah. like you need him to remain fresh throughout the playoffs. And, and it's, I don't think he ran out of steam against the Raptors. I think the, the, the big move was Kawhi Leonard was defending him and it was a lot more physical and Giannis, wasn't able to adapt and neither was, uh, was Budenholzer. But even still, it wasn't as though the Raptors just, you know, blew the bucks off the court. It was, uh, it was a close it, series, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was a great series. It could have easily gone either way. Uh, but again, that's a, that's a learning experience for Milwaukee and for Giannis. And, and, 
and that's where now, like, if the Bucks don't win sixty games, it's not a it's not a bad thing. If they win fifty five games, but everyone's healthy and everyone's rested coming into April when the playoffs start, that's that's a much better position to be in than necessarily worrying about. Oh, we've got to you know we won sixty last year. We've got to win sixty two games this year, or else we're not going to be um, you know we're not going to be as good. So, uh, but that that comes with experience and and how how the Bucks handle it, and and, and also Mike Budenholzer. Uh, I saw him up close here when he coached the Atlanta Hawks and he did a fantastic job when he came into Atlanta in his second season. The Hawks won 60 games. They were the top seed in the Eastern Conference. They got swept in the conference finals by LeBron. No shame there. LeBron's <laughs> done that to pretty much all my teams uh, with the Raptors over the years. But um, Budenholzer, after that season, wasn't really able... It was almost like he played all his cards that year and he didn't really have a whole lot to do the next season and so and things change players move on and things like that but now Mike Budenholzer that that bud ball that they played last year for the Bucks was great you know Brooke Lopez was an incredible three-point shooter and everyone seemed to be able to shoot threes but now that's how teams are scouting the Bucks it's like they love to they love to give the ball to Giannis and he can dominate anyone inside and if he can't he can kick it out to a shooter and uh, and guys can kill you from the outside so uh, the Bucks have to make adjustments and also I think Malcolm Brogdon is a is a huge loss uh, for the Bucks. I think they're missing him uh, right now. He's such a steady hand for them, and uh, you know, in in Indiana, he's had a fantastic start himself to the season. And I just think the Bucks miss that sort of sure handedness uh, of him. So there's a few a, a few adjustments, a few changes there. But uh, I, I still believe when you have a guy as dominant as Giannis is and has been, think the the Bucks will be fine. They're going to win fifty uh, odd games at least. Um, but the, the the real challenge will be come playoff time. Is that team does that team you know know how to how, know how to change when the other team changes things up and, and are they able to uh, to show that they're more than just sort of Giannis playing a bully ball type of style when it's needed. All right, so that's going to wrap up the first part of my chat with Lee Ellis from No Dunks. We're going to have the second half of this conversation on Thursday's episode as the Bucks have a rare three-night break. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to a little bit about how Lee came into the business. We touched on the Bucks at the end there, and tomorrow will be all about some of the stuff we've seen in the NBA so far, some more stuff on the Bucks, and then a little bit of fun stuff regarding entertainment at NBA games during timeouts and halftime. I got a bit of a bone to pick with one of the things uh, that we see happen at multiple NBA arenas. But for now, we are going to leave it there. For Lee Alice and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll be back tomorrow.